0: Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're
1: freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love. And discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul.
0: I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. We're here. Happy Friday. And I say we're here because tomorrow is the beginning of season nine. Can't believe it. We've been talking Can't about it. it. We also just kept kind of talking to each other privately and somewhat to you guys as well about how, uh, you know, season nine is coming. That's a an immovable date and stuff yeah. was not shot and not shot and not shot. And it, guess what? It's all shot. Now it's, it's in post-production. <laughs> and I, I, I'm proud to say there will be an episode playing on motor trend cable channel tomorrow because it's been delivered and it's out there. So season nine is, is actually incredibly varied. I'm it, I'm
1: getting very excited now. Me too. Me too. And I'm glad we got it shot. We joke. For every TV season, we think, let's just make this easy on ourselves. Let's just shoot one episode a month Mm -hmm. leading up to a TV season. It'll be easy peasy. And we won't have the headaches of everything we've experienced. We
0: always think this.
1: And then it just comes down to weather Mm -hmm. and car availability and travel and all these things. And finally, it's come together. We're not whining. We're thrilled to bring this to you. And I want to compliment you. Thank you for all your heavy lifting, editing, and to Chance Hales, our... And Edgar Perez. They're both yeah, our primary absolutely. editors and shooters. And shooters, for sure, yeah, yeah. For uh, for the TV show. It's all hands so on big deck, Big thanks though. to both those guys. The, the four
0: career. of us, you and me and those two guys, have, have forced this season into existence. So I'm actually very excited about that. It's going to be really cool.
1: That is Season 9, airing July 3rd, 2021, at 7.30 a.m. Eastern on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. If you can't watch it live, mm-hmm. please DVR it. Even a plus-seven number helps the Nielsen ratings. Absolutely, well done. And that will come to Amazon sooner than other TV seasons have in the past. Assuming Amazon will take us. Assuming the Amazon machine. Things about Amazon. But yes, out. that is that is intended. And then soon after that, again, YouTube. Everything will be coming forth more quickly than prior TV. We seasons. are slowly got closing down.
0: Yeah, we're slowly closing down our releases on YouTube. We're still going through the back catalog and getting TV stuff done. But by the end of this calendar year, by the end of 2021, just so you know, our uh, our YouTube releases will be roughly six months behind when they played on television. So Mm -hmm. so it'll close into that thing, which I'm actually very excited about as well. And speaking of that, we just dropped our Corvette C8 versus Lexus LC500 shot in November. Can't believe it. We just barely got the world's most perfect weather and a week later all the leaves were gone and it was freezing here. That was a really fun episode. That one is actually playing on our main YouTube channel as of uh, yesterday, actually. Many of you have seen it and commented and thank you for watching. If you haven't seen it yet, it is there. We'd
1: love for you to see it. Well, a Cayman update. I haven't told oh. you about the Cayman in a while. Yes, you have not. As you probably know, the Cayman has just experienced oil changes, and it, ha- it did have front brakes, mm-hmm. uh, new pads, rotors, and tires because of all the tracking that you and I have done and all the canyon There's driving and fast good, driving. Good amount, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so far, that's the only money that I've put into maintaining the car. Okay. Well, now, you know how we talk about German maintenance? <laughs> you know how we talk about all that? The Everybody time has come. says, I fear German maintenance. It's time to pay the Piper. The, the Porsche tax has uh-huh. arrived, huh? It, it okay. has. As it turns out, the two rear struts are leaking, which means they're failing. And the reason mm. I discovered that was because of the tires. The feathering on the shoulders of the tires mm. told me everything about that. And I took it in for an alignment, thinking, mm-hmm. sure, Just inexpensive alignment. Yeah. Boom, we're done. Mm-hmm. Not so, because those rear struts are leaking. At twenty-eight thousand miles, the car is six years old. It's a twenty-fifteen. Whoa! Now, I have asked everybody if you have a thought or comment or have had experience with this. So far, everybody just seems to think. Especially the text from Porsche just seem to think that's you know it's not unheard of. It, yeah, you know it's, it's kind not, of it's not rare but
0: common. But it's not like that's never happened before. Right. Yeah. 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 And
1: uh, you know low miles, but we have tracked it. You mm-hmm. know we've done yeah. it a lot. Been on TV. And so, also, the bushings, as part of the rear single-leaf control arms, have also failed. Sure, why not? Let's just add things together. The problem is, Mm -hmm. Porsche manufactures those bushings as integral with the control arm itself. They don't just sell you the bushing. Uh They sell you Uh the entire control arm. So, I have to replace both on each side. So. There's that on top of the struts for a grand total of $2,321. That does include labor all installed. The car needs it. But you know what? After my five years of ownership. Sure, sure. And then amortized out over some oil changes, which is 200 bucks for an oil change and brakes, rotors. Well, tires are expensive, but still. (laughs) Tires for that are expensive. You know, just take your point. I'm not going to do the math. I'm just going to leave it nebulous the, the, the math is out there yes yes but that's not the worst thing it's still maybe what thousand bucks a year just sure. as yeah
0: well less than that if you're talking about two thousand dollars over those five years i'm not good at math but i take so it's point. not the worst yeah. thing in the world it's but, just
1: when it all comes to a head mm-hmm. and it's all right now all at once in addition to all the other expenses that are always ongoing of course
0: well that's the thing you've pointed out that thing that actually uh Catherine and i discovered with our cayenne Having yeah. a similar thing for a while. We yeah. had to replace the entire head of the engine because the little tiny piece <laughs> that is like $15 in rubber it's like that, co-molded every, with that every other manufacturer just offers you that piece. It right. comes with the entire head on Porsche for that generation of Cayenne. They're always doing something like that. And you know, here's the thing. You know that was done on the front end mm-hmm. under the best of intentions for this is more efficient, this is better built, whatever.
1: For, to benefit Porsche and their assembly.
0: Yes, but nobody thought about it. Poor Paul, and by the way, poor Paul is not something I say often. Poor Paul (laughs) with his GTS at 30,000 miles going, are you aware that I could just buy, if it was anything other than you guys, I could just buy this, but no, no, i got to buy all of this. That's very much Porsche thinking, and they have a roughly, I mean, 20% or so markup off of your random Honda part. Now, I say all this to say this next part, and that is, this sounds nightmarish, it does, but Porsche typically is more reliable than any other German manufacturer. And also, if you look at reliability ratings, they, they're they in like the top three most of yeah. the time. Yeah. The problem is you have the Porsche tax on what the parts cost when you actually do stuff. But I still very confidently recommend Porsches to people, even ones with a lot of miles, because if you're willing to pay that kind of Porsche tax when you have to get stuff done, random things don't seem to break.
1: Well, and I don't look at this as a... Maintenance kind. Of, I mean, it's maintenance, but I don't look at it as sort of a "wow, that was out of the blue" kind of thing. I've driven the car really hard on track. I've gotten a lot of fun driving and out you've of that done car. Done nothing to it, and I've barely put money into it, yeah. and it's just run. And it's not about starting on a daily basis. The thing fires up. It yeah. just runs. Oh yeah. But I've also driven it really hard, more so than regular cars. I've
0: watched you hunt down some unbelievable other cars on track I've been days. Yeah, after it. So mm, yeah, for sure. on
1: the other hand, for it's sure. really delivered for me. That's what you're paying for, and mm. that's part of the ownership. So I look at it as, okay, yes, it's a lot of money. It sucks. All right you know what? Mm-hmm. I love the car. Let's get it fixed. Yeah, Let's keep yeah, driving yeah. it. And it's part of the ownership experience. It's not like <laughs> I didn't know that going into it. I knew I'd be up for something, but it's, here it experience. Is. it's all right. It yep. has arrived. The day has arrived, but okay. It is what it is. Yeah. Not fun, but uh, you know, the trade off, has been a lot of fun.
0: We when we're also working to do a long term update on your car, we've got a cool idea for a long term update on your car. I'm mm-hmm. actually gonna do a long term update finally on the Lotus. Both of those are getting shot this summer at, at long last and those updates will be coming, which is really cool. That reminds me I should do one on the cayenne. It's been about a year. That's gonna get on the list somewhere. You know, let's finish season nine first. <laughs> Just at least get that get starts it airing out the tomorrow. Door. Yeah.
1: And it's going to be a great season. Please let us know once you see it, whether it is live, whether it is later on Amazon or YouTube, let us know what you think. We're always curious as far as uh, what you think of the TV season as a a whole and the comparisons themselves. And we always like to have an adventure in there. Big shout out to Rally Ready for hosting Mm -hmm. us in Austin, Texas at the Rally Ranch. That's a great episode and uh, definitely part of the season. I do want to acknowledge the range of listeners in our podcast episodes and Mm -hmm. just... Not only worldwide and not just different enthusiasts, but the age ranges, just the the variety of people listening. And I just want to thank all of you profusely and keep sending us your emails. I mean, Mm -hmm. I love that this is being listened to worldwide and and we have enthusiasts that are like-minded all over the world. But this range is so broad.
0: The emails that we get over the course of a week, it's shocking to your point. We, We got an email just this week from somebody that was like 14 or 15 and helping their parents shop. Yeah. And from somebody that was 80 going to a track day.
1: It's also my favorite thing when you guys are out shopping or Mm -hmm. you're out seeing a car. Yeah. And the first thing that pops in your mind is your pals, Todd and Paul. Yeah. I'd love that. And you'll send us a little note. Hey, I was thinking about you guys. I love that. So please keep it coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Driveshare is the coolest online car-sharing platform around. I even have my car on there. It's simple. By connecting car owners with renters, Driveshare unlocks the joy of driving.
1: You can drive something crazy cool. That way, renters can find cars that bring out the awesome at every moment, while owners can earn extra cash to fund their passion. To sign up, cruise over to Driveshare.com or download their app for iOS or Android. That's Driveshare.com. Starting off with an email from Ryan R., who is in Southern California. He's 17. He's got a 2016 Mustang GT with a performance pack. Whoa, that's a pretty good first car. (laughs) When I was 17, I didn't have a budget. Ryan. Yeah, I... I was mm-hmm. happy to be driving the 77 Jeep Cherokee that my dad gave, gave my sister an eye. So.
0: My dad said, that Caprice, that's the hand-me-down one there. I'm getting the nicer one. <laughs>
1: the nicer Caprice. I'm getting the nicer Cap- I'm going that's Caprice funny.
0: shopping. You're getting the hand-me-down.
1: That's how that worked out until I promptly got the nice one stolen.
0: Separate story. <laughs> yeah, Separate story. Another, yeah.
1: Another day. Well, Ryan has loved cars since he was a little boy playing with Hot Wheels his whole childhood and watching Top Gear. Love it. He says he's fortunate enough to be able to have this car. You're darn right. Mm-hmm. he says it is the performance pack, but that's because he would want to buy the bigger screen, get the nice lighting all around. But he just took his car in to get appraised. Mm-hmm. And they said, whoever appraised it, if it was a dealer, we don't know, but they, they would give him $28,000 as it is. Mm-hmm. Now he's got a few modifications on it, lowering springs, an exhaust, a wing and splitter, and spacers, wheel spacers. And then he got offered... $30,000 for it. Mm-hmm. So his budget, should he get rid of it for a new car, for a new experience is 30 grand. And he says he loves all cars, especially the 1990s JDM cars and all generations of the M3. Fortunately, we've driven all of them.
0: We have driven all of those. Now here's what's interesting. This reminds me of something that just happened to me, Ryan, and I can't tell you all of the story yet. Okay. So I'm <laughs> right. sorry. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll save the story. But, yeah. yeah. But, um, uh, <clears throat> We have already got our cars for the next series. They're and bought. We can't tell you what they are. We're getting them all ready for yeah. the series. It's very exciting.
1: And by getting them ready, we mean spending money.
0: That's exactly what we mean. But we are covering That's all why of this. I'm
1: whining over here on my K and We are, we are covering going. all of this because we're going. We
0: don't want to. We don't want to blur the lines with the cheap sports cars. But we are covering all exactly. of this. There'll be a bunch of videos when when they first get revealed. Exactly. But I had two different people offer me to buy the current car that I just bought for this new series. Today I was like, well, I'm glad it's <sighs> exciting and I'm very excited to share, but I I currently just got it. Yeah. So that can't happen. But yeah. but but this is what's so weird about right now in car culture. Car prices are crazy. They are. You can sell whatever you happen to have. And so this is where you are, Ryan, as you're just saying because this is the other thing. It's funny. It's not like you have another car waiting in the wings. You just suddenly like my car's <laughs> worth cash. Should I sell my car? I should get um, cash. <laughs> I should get cash and buy something else. That's absolutely. And, and you say your first <laughs> thing you're thinking about, what about a facelifted Mustang GT, another Mustang GT, but um, you, you could swap all your parts out. I think that's interesting thinking as well. Right. Um, but you're not going to get your money back out of your parts. That is the problem. But uh, the 2018s are out of your price range. Mm-hmm. So you can't get the facelift, even though you have the parts. You love the M2, that's a jump, uh, but uh, that's $38,000, and if you're following along with the story, you would get twenty eight out of your current Mustang, so that's uh, quite out of your budget.
1: Ten grand extra.
0: Yeah. That, that, I'm not good at math, but that's not good.
1: But the problem is, that 2016 model year was Ryan's dream car. Yes. It's exactly what he wanted, uh-huh. and he got it, and so to trade up feels like a betrayal. Isn't that interesting? And the 2018s, as you said, are a little out of his price range, kind of a lot. Mm -hmm. So the swap to the newer car isn't possible yet. But I think it's your emotions holding you back, not the money.
0: Yeah, that's true. You would figure out a way
1: to do it financially. Mm -hmm. If you're... If you've got that kind of a budget, I didn't have that budget at seventeen. No, of course not. Yeah. But if you do, I guarantee you'll figure a way around it. Yeah. It's your emotions and that betrayal in your heart that's holding you back. Mm-hmm. Guarantee. There's, there's
0: stuff to unpack there. You say what you definitely want is a manual. Two door would be preferable. Not concerned about gas mileage, but uh, something <laughs> right. that doesn't have to sit because it's broken. Yes. But on the other yes. end of the spectrum, you say you've looked at things like an RX seven or a BRZ or an E forty six, and you're scared off of those, even though you know they're good cars, because. You would want to do stuff to them instantly, mm-hmm. which makes you not want to get those because you are a modding guy and you can't have a car sit. It needs to be a car you use. So these are all of your questions. First off, Ryan, I want to speak real quickly to the betrayal aspect. Good. Yes. You're yes. 17. This is your first car. It's a nice one. Step away from cars for a second and just let's, let's stop on the reality of the fact that you're 17 And look, Ryan, I'll also say this. When I was 17, I hated it when people roughly the age I am now said something like I'm about to say. (laughs) So I'm apologizing now as a father. (laughs) Sit down. I promise you that what I'm saying has some sort of merit, and you may have to get into your 40s to understand it. But I'm going to say this anyway. At 17, you have a shocking amount of life ahead of you that you cannot fathom. You cannot imagine what that life will be. And as your life goes forward, even if you think you know how it's going to play out, There will be lots of changes in your life, lots of moments and seasons in your life that change your perspective of what's important. With the possible exception of just the nostalgia, this was my first car. It is 100% normal and expected for you to move on because life has moved on. There is nothing here you need to feel guilty about. If you have the ability, and some people do, to keep the first car you ever had for your entire life, great, I guess. Mm -hmm. but I think if you keep the first car you ever had, because you're worried about moving on and that betrayal, you have now held yourself back from better, more interesting growth experiences as a car owner and Mm -hmm. as a car person, you need those more experiences. So if you have an opportunity to get rid of this Mustang, and I want to unpack whether or not you should in a few minutes, because I want to hear your thoughts as well, Paul, but I think whether or not you should get rid of it or do get rid of it, I think you have to free yourself up for that possibility because I don't want it to hold you back. And 17, you've hit your poster car. It's time to look for others. And he hasn't had it very long. He's only 17. Yes,
1: exactly. It's not like he's had it for five years. I
0: I love that you like it that much. I think it's amazing that you have it. You are not betraying anything by getting rid
1: of this car at some point. But I have thoughts on whether or not it should go. I will pick up there, Ryan, and ask you to really define what a dream car means for you. At your age, I never applied any critical thinking to what I wanted out of my, <laughs> my first car, let alone the next experience mm, after mm. that. I bought what I could afford. Yeah. And my family demonstrated clearly that Honda Accords ran. And I just needed something that would run. <laughs> Look, and it had
0: to be cheap. Honda Accords. So welcome. I had I, two of them. I got caprices because that's what we did. <laughs> In the Deacon household, that's we got caprices.
1: Now I'm also not saying that the wing it method doesn't work either because many people have a childhood experience mm-hmm. or an early car experience yeah, yeah, of this is just what we did. It was just what's available. Totally. If we, we, this was me yeah, just out there winging it. And I got that car cause I, I guess I liked it mm-hmm. and therefore it kind of formed my decisions that way. And that's okay. I want to leave that open, mm-hmm. but If you're interested and you don't have to be methodical, there's no spreadsheets involved. You don't have to do, you know, like the recipe.
0: (laughs) Don't don't do spreadsheets in life until you have to. Ryan, those days are (laughs) coming. Right. Just, just trust me. Just avoid the spreadsheets as long as you can.
1: I, like I said, I never did the critical thinking and (laughs) apply that to the experiences that I want and co-hosting the show has made I think both of us redefine what brings us the most driving challenge Mm -hmm. and pleasure and excitement and it has defined what we want a car to do for us yeah yeah that's good that has come over the years that has come with experience that is absolutely virtue of driving many different kinds of cars yes yes. and thinking I don't like this driving other cars and thinking I like this (laughs) why do I like this why do I like this yeah 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 why is it speaking to me and then critically breaking it down Mm -hmm. oh I guess that's what I'm feeling and I guess that's the kind of person I am, like when you finally decide, like I guess those are the kinds of shoes that I wear, I <laughs> apparently, guess, so. I'm a lotus guy, who knew yeah, I mean, you never thought that in no, seventeen of you never not. knew no. this progression there, but it was steeped with that jaguar e type your dad had mm. It was started early by living in England, I think the influence yeah, maybe kind of
0: maybe maybe the seeds were planted, well, and I do think it's fascinating that I started driving something as boring and massive as a caprice classic. Mm -hmm. And what Mm -hmm. I kept discovering with the show, this has been the most fascinating part for me about the show is because of what we do for a living was the first opportunity I had to start driving small cars. I grew up in a Chevy household. (laughs) We bought big Chevy things. Okay. (laughs) So why would I end up driving something small? Right. And because of the show, I ended up just by default, I need to get in this. Now that happens to be
1: little. And I suddenly discovered I like little cars clicked. Yeah. So first of all, What is the area of driving that interests you next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right now I feel like you're driven by cash, and that's okay. We're all coin (laughs) operators. We're all driven by cash. Yeah, for sure. To a point. Yeah. And if the the feeling's right, if the timing's right, and you can get the bright dollar amount for it, great. Go for it. Then you'll kind of justify your purchase. You'll have some money to spend. But you said the second part, you've got to keep on modding. Mm -hmm. What's your end result? Thank you. What is, I've just got to keep on modding. And we all do as car enthusiasts Mm -hmm. and car people. Well, that's a nice part that fits my car. And look, they're having a sale over Labor Day weekend. Huh? (laughs) I think I have space in my credit card still. Yeah. Terrible. But it happens all the time. Let's do that. Yeah. And the part comes, you install it. And well, what did it do for you? What did Mm -hmm. it do for the car? What were you expecting out of that part? Mm -hmm. Short of maintenance and sure. Of course. Caveat, caveat. But what did you want that part to do to your car? You expected this out of it. So what I'm alluding to is car manufacturers already do that with their performance cars. They already do that for us. And then they Mm, go out and test mm -hmm. them on tracks. And they do this extensively with a team of engineers and high performance drivers. And then they sell that car Mm -hmm. as the high performance blah. R&D. Yes. People standing with clipboards and big anoraks in the middle of the winter going,
0: we we tested it here, too. Yeah, that happens as the well. The problem
1: is their hands are tied by the the marketing and the bean counters yes. who say, well, you can't go that far. Got to mm-hmm. back it off. Let's make that a little bit thinner wall tubing so it'll fail at some part and we can sell that person another part or something. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Evil intent right there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but I'm asking you, if you just keep modding, is it just parts? You're just throwing stuff at your car, Is you driving through a pet boys, magnetize your car and drive through an auto shop. Easy. Yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. What, what do you want that to do? Mm-hmm. So now you're combining that with the area of driving that interests you. Yeah. Let's take autocross. I've always been sure. intrigued by autocross. Let me, I'm going to go after autocross and try that out. I yeah. don't really have a good car for autocrossing, even though you can autocross a Winnebago. Yes. You take my point. So now I've got that and I've got some money in hand and I'm, you know what I'm interested in, Miata's or 86s or Fiesta STs, or you're working your way you know, toward like that I've goal. A, I've never yeah. experienced a really good front-wheel drive car. Never mm. really thought about that. You're young in your driving career. I'm, I'm asking you to start thinking critically like this because I didn't. Mm, that's good. And I that's think good. it would have influenced my choices faster rather than sure. letting the models that I built as a kid of all German cars, M6s, 911s. <laughs> I did have a C3 Corvette, <laughs> but all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then that sort of influence. like, I, I know this car inside and out because I put the model together. Mm,
0: yeah. and
1: I guess that's what I want to buy because I, I know Interesting, it. Interesting. Yeah. I've never driven it, though. I think I'll like it. It looks cool. They're expensive. I, I guess they're aspirational. Maybe that will inform you and you suddenly discover. <laughs> Everybody was right about these cool Miatas. They're so much fun to drive. Or, you know what? I hate Miatas. Mm. I like GTIs. GTIs, here I come. Mm. And so I hesitate to just say, sell the Mustang and get into a blank car. End of that sentence. Because what is that? I don't know. You're so early in your driving career and so early in your experiences. I don't don't know how to answer that for you. Well, yeah. Now we have the money Mm -hmm. part because you could take 30 grand and now just look around at the landscape. What costs 30 grand? What what is there? <laughs> Sprat costs thirty grand. Well, yeah, Blam.
0: he's already brought up things like that that he could do. Ryan, this is this is the the tough love part of this for me. I think this car stays for now. Do you? you I think you really. You you haven't had it long. It was a dream car for you. You're struggling with getting rid of it at some point. Which I, again, I want to free you up that this cash car is cash. can go. Cash. But we've got this really really weird inflated market right now at the at the middle of 2021. And we're all kind of going, huh? Oh, no, know my car was worth that much. We're all having <laughs> exactly. that conversation. But the problem is that, that most of us aren't thinking about is if you sell that car, <laughs> you're now a buyer in a market where <laughs> yeah, everything is true. wildly expensive. You don't
1: have it anymore. And you don't
0: currently have a car. <laughs> right. And we're all, right. but trust me, we're all being seduced by this. I'm including Paul and I. We keep kind of going, huh? Oh, I mean, I sold. I, I made the mistake of look up how much the leases are worth right now and went, hmm. So no, the, <laughs> yeah, bad, the bad, bad, news, bad, bad, bad news. So, but so I think you keep this car for now, Ryan. Don't get mm. swayed by the fact that you can get money out of it, because the other part of it is the fact that you can't get all of your money out of it. And True. everything True. that you're looking at that you would like to do next costs you more than you currently have. So now, what happens? You get out of a car you really like. With more money than you expect to get out of it, but not enough to get the next car you want. That's just the definition of stuck, as far as I'm concerned. I
1: thought that was a definition of bicycle.
0: That is, pretty much. It's just, so here's actually my challenge for you. Okay. And it's, I think it's going to be a challenge. Ooh. Ooh. I think you keep the Mustang. Okay. But stop modding it. Leave it alone. Ooh. Save that money toward whatever will be next. And let's say, sake of argument, let's say when you sell that Mustang next year or the year after, you get five or 10 grand less than they're offering you for it right now. That's life. I get it. It happens. But if you aren't putting more... That's how
1: we knew life.
0: Yeah. But, but, if, but if you aren't putting yeah. more mods in it, you yeah. will get every dollar you can back out of it because the mods won't drag down your price. The, the crazy thing is, generally, cars that are in stock condition sell for more than cars that have mods on them. Mm-hmm. So if you, stop, Depends, but if you yeah. stop where you are, don't put money into mods. Here's where the money goes. Partially it goes into saving for whatever's next. Because let's be honest, also M2s are going to keep coming down. You want an M2 or you want whatever True. the next thing is that you've lusted True. after? Those will keep coming down as well. Okay? What's, look, you like JDM stuff. I'll throw this out real quick. What's a four-cylinder Supra going to be in a couple years when Ryan's shopping? Oof. Totally different experience from your Mustang. Because that's the thing I want for you next. I want you to have a completely different driving experience in Mustang. I also don't want you to get tied into the Mustang platform because you go, well, I got all these mods That's exactly it. And I don't... The parts the, only fit Mustangs. I, I can't leave this Lego box because I have all these parts. You're going to lock yourself into that more and more and more. Also known as Apple. This is That's true. Save up, not buy mods. And I also want you to buy yourself driving experience. It could be Turo or Driveshare or Driving Instruction. Mm. Because mm. that's going to educate you on what you like and make you a better driver. I like that. So that in a year or two from now, let's look, look, I'll just give you a, an arbitrary goal right now, Ryan. Let's say when you're 20, the Mustang goes and you're buying something else. Let's just okay. put that in the ground. Okay. By the time you're 20, if you take this plan out, you'll get every dollar you can out of the Mustang, which will be less than you get now, I admit. But you'll have a car between now and then, and you'll have driving experience between now and then in both cars and actual like driving instruction. You will be a
1: different driver who knows what he wants next in a way you don't now. That's fantastic. I really like that. You've heard of certified financial planners. Here's how I think you should map out your retirement. No, 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 no. Let's apply that to cars. I've been waffling. Ryan, I'm on the fence because I'm coin-operated. Anything involving cash, Ola, hard cash. You got my attention. But then he has no car. But then you have no car. And I think this time will... I don't think it's going to last. I I think it's going to be lingering and weird and still going to do different Mm -hmm. things and it's going to morph and get weirder. And then we're kind of going to realize, yeah, it's... know cars are only worth what people are willing to pay essentially yeah yeah. i want you to have a plan before you sell it i don't want you to just sell it even though it's tempting to get the money right now absolutely but there's no plan right now Mm -hmm. and so i really like what todd is saying to get the plan in place that will dictate what's next and that Mm -hmm. will inform the car rather than just well that was shiny and cool and it's green so i bought it you wanted a mustang
0: you have a mustang you like your mustang but that is a very limited life experience as a driver, and you're 17. Of course, you've got limited drive experience. Of course, mm-hmm. you do. But think about all the th- places. This is the thing I love. If I had been 16 or 17 with money and Turo, the world would have been different. Now, granted, I admit some of these don't allow you to, people your age to drive. Some, sure, but sure. do you have friends? What What other capability do you have to get into other cars? I had zero capability to get into any other car on the planet when I was that age.
1: Just the driving schools alone. Right? Yes. Just those alone. Every though. driving driving school I yeah, can think of that you experience. and I have
0: done would have welcomed a 17-year-old and mm-hmm. like bring it. Mm-hmm.
1: And they're not, they're not cheap, but what you come away with as a driver is invaluable. We're not trying to discount the desire to work on cars. It's in all of us. Yeah, sure. We love to do things, to improve, to make it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But without a plan in place, and to be honest, Ryan, that's what the really experienced car collectors do when they're doing some sort of build and they've kind of got unlimited cash, but even with a limited budget, they're kind of going, I want that car to be just a driver. I want it to be mm-hmm. pretty close to stock, but improved, you know, mechanically. So it's, I know it's not going to break. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want that to be a, a fun driver. Whereas this, I want to mod it for specific track yeah, use that yeah. I'm going to go out and do. And that car, that's going to be, you know, just for canyons. So I'm going to set it up just for that. And they've got that plan in place that just comes by all that driving, all that experience, but you've got an opportunity to get ahead of that. Interesting. Yeah. It is car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool shady spot and always use the brilliant finish foaming sprayer or the boss foam cannon from Grio's garage. You can create a high-foam blizzard party right in your driveway with little to no work and avoid the wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. And don't forget,
0: Griot's also has full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash & Coat, and a
1: 3-in-1 Wax. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Mark O. in North Georgia asks, what sacrifices must one make to get into (laughs) something next, to have that next experience? Okay, all right. We've got a breadth of experience and driver enthusiasm on this episode. Mm -hmm. Mark has a 2011 Dodge Challenger RT classic. Okay. His wife has a 2015 Lexus RCF and the beater is the 2002 Honda Accord V6 coupe. They've owned since new. Okay. All right. It's his turn for a new car. Mark's trying to decide if he should take one for the team and get something somewhat practical. (laughs) Practical is a, is a wide definition, but I'd like it anyway. Yeah. They're replacing the Challenger, and likely the Honda, as it's nearing 200,000 miles. He's going away from his dream of owning a 911 Carrera S, a 991, Ooh. or a Shelby GT350 Mustang to a more everyday car. Well, we define everyday cars as the car you drive every day. If that is a mm-hmm. McLaren 720S, C- kudos that is you. your everyday driver. And and uh, you have a Challenger
0: and an Accord Coupe. It's not like you have Those, those are wagons, different. But it's not like you have wagons or a big SUV. True. true. So... Uh, Both of those have proved usable. If you'd said Honda Accord Mm four-door, this would already be different. But a Challenger and a V6 Coupe suggest to me that you're used to making dog and life and all that kind of stuff work in a two-door car. So I'm going to adhere to what you say here, Mark. But at the same time, I don't really understand why the 911 and the GT350 are completely out since they strike me as similar body styles and sizes to
1: what you're currently getting out of. Sure, I just look at this as the sentence, I'm going away from my dream car of owning yeah. either this or that. Why?
0: Yeah, why? that's hard.
1: It's the same thing that Todd challenged his dad with and For that sure. I kind of dogpiled on with. <laughs> By in the way, snarky, fun way. we
0: didn't tell that part of the story, but there was, <laughs> there was a conversation where my dad kind of like eased his way into this conversation. But like, Todd and I are talking about this at Paul's demeanor. I don't know another way to put it. It was just this demeanor of, why haven't you done it yet? And every time my dad would like raise an objection, Paul would just come back with kind of the, some sort of response that essentially boiled down to, "And why haven't you done it yet?" And this went round. I just stood, stood back. I like like <laughs> took a sip of something to drink and just watched this unfold because Paul has a very different relationship with my dad, obviously, than I do. And it he was, just kept. It, it was, was fun. You were just, and you did it, it with unjust. a great smile on your face. And, and you and my dad get along wonderfully. But you just had this this brick wall demeter of. Why are you still here and not driving a Corvette?
1: Yeah. Well, you're telling me all about it. All I hear from yeah. Todd is how much you've wanted it. All yeah. of his growing up. I'm tired of hearing Todd tire- being tired <laughs> of hearing about it. Yeah. And I'm just asking him point blank. And what, what's stopping yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. Fair the point. The answer is nothing. Yeah. It's whatever's in your head because this is a new scary arena we're entering. For sure. Because I, I haven't done it, it
0: yet. Absolutely. It is. No question.
1: But who cares? Mm. Let's go figure it out. Let's go do that. So, first of all, why do you have to give up on this dream of owning mm-hmm. a 911 Carrera S? It does have a back seat, by the way. Yeah. The so does a GT350. The R doesn't, but the 350 does. Yep, for sure. So, if you want to take your dog along for the backseat requirement that you mentioned mm-hmm. and decent luggage space, both cars are kind of practical and they're very fun to drive. Yes, absolutely. So, if we need to stop there, Mark... <laughs> I didn't
0: stop there. I, I actually might. adhered, but I, but I agree. You and I hit the same thing on, the, on that paragraph, which is like, wait, wait,
1: hang on. Why are we doing a full stop and walking away from that? That's weird. Now, Mark and his wife take annual trips to Hilton Head and Rosemary Beach. Okay. Don't know where either of those are. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Paul, matter. Paul's lop, lop, I, lost I know it where the Hilton Head we're, we're, is, but we're fine. It's, I don't it's know where okay. Rosemary Beach we is. We could find it if we had to. That's oh, okay. okay. I have Google Earth. His wife would also prefer something that is not so low to the ground as to worry about scraping the front and you know, parking lot approaches or declines. Okay. He's got a good healthy budget of $60,000. Right. Cars under consideration include a 2017 or newer Macan GTS, 2019 M3 competition. But here he, he's getting interesting. Yeah. He's wondering if he could save some money. Screech, what? Yep. And still have the same driving experience in a new Honda Civic Type R. I was, I kind of had to stop and read more
0: of the email when I read that sentence because I was like, wait a minute, this is not where I expected
1: us to go. Everything you mentioned after that was just sort of like, yeah, Audi Uh 2 TRS, RS3, Kia Sting, WRX M2, GR Supra, Cayman, blah, blah, blah. Civic Type R? You're considering
0: one of those? Yeah, very cool, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Sweet. Yeah, very cool. Now, he says, having had a few German cars, like a 1974 Capri V6. A 2007 Audi A4 1.8, an 01 Audi TT Roadster, and more recently an 02 Mercedes SLK 32, he's not sure that he wants the headache and cost of German ownership, like I described at the top of the podcast. (laughs) Yes. He's never had any major issues with the Audis, but he says he wonder if he would have been better buying something else than uh, like an S2000 than that SLK in 2004. Probably. I'm sorry.
0: Did I say that out loud? Well, he says
1: he lost 33000 in that adventure. Yeah. So he's wondering if he should sacrifice some style and status and go for the Type R over the Germans. Mm. You're wanting permission, Mark. Yeah. Nobody's given you permission yet. Yeah. We give you permission.
0: Yeah. If, if you like the Type yes. R, you would enjoy owning the Type R. Yes. Yes.
1: Now, he says he's not sure he's... Maybe he likes the Germans Porsche BMW, but he does not want to encounter the same stupid unexpected problems for a $60,000 car like the Mercedes. But he says the Minister of Finance feels seven to ten years is the appropriate turnaround time for a change of car. Mm, That's a while. You do have the sentence prior to her coming on board. And by that, do you mean into your life or coming on to board with cars prior
0: to her becoming a member of the board? The minister (laughs) of finance. There we go.
1: Yes. New car arrivals. He says were every two, two to three years. Mm -hmm. That sounds about normal. Yeah. Some of his favorites were a 78 trans am 85 Corvette, 89 Integra, which was way more fun to drive than the vet.
0: Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah.
1: 89 Mustang, five o, nineteen ninety 1990 Mercury Cougar, supercharged grand Cherokee Orvis from 1995, The A4, and he really enjoys the Challenger and the RCF when his wife lets him drive it. Interesting. She must like that car. I love it. Yeah. Well, he's upgraded the Challenger a little bit. He's into mods a bit. Mm -hmm. Petty's garage suspension with fully adjustable coilovers, front and rear shock tower braces, heavy-duty sway bars, coarse exhaust, cold air intake, and he's got a 93 octane tune on it. You can find
0: 93 octane? Wow, look at you. Yeah, no kidding.
1: Good for you. Well, he says should he do here mm. you keep mentioning japanese cars he
0: does throughout yeah, yeah, civic sure. type
1: r mm-hmm. man that accurate Integra was fun to drive yeah he keeps mentioning these he also says what are our favorite car and chase movies he says his is the 1976 gumball rally huh and then favorite driving songs of course highway star from deep purple's <laughs> made in japan album let it roll by little feet tom petty's running down a dream and of course golden Earring radar love
0: Love it. A lot in here, Mark. It's good stuff. Wow. $60,000 is a good amount of money. I, I'm going to echo one qu- quick time, and then I'm going to move on. The 911 and the GT350 are out. I don't Why? see that, especially the GT350. I don't see that as being less
1: usable than the cars you have. No. And it's the same size practically as the Challenger. If I mean, the, almost. If, it,
0: if, if you had said I have a big four-cylinder Accord four-door, I'd go like, yeah, all right, I see it. You have all two-door cars in your life, which makes me kind of confused. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed this, Mark? If you looked at your, your garage, it's all two doors. <laughs> uh, you're you're talking about practicality. Yeah. You don't own a four-door car. I'm just saying. I just, this is the thing that dawned on me when I read your don't email. Don't use logic. How dare you? Having said that, I have a couple of things I want to mention to you. First off, I love your Type R. That, that is a fantastic, fantastic little switch. You yes. need to go drive one. If you haven't driven it yet, the fact that you're intrigued by it, you need to go drive it. And you might just be done yeah. right there. Yeah. And people have taken, what are those? Are those 20s on that car? I always get it wrong. They're got 20s. They're 20s. With that like,
1: weigh 53 pounds a piece with the wheel and tire combination.
0: And they've got rubber bands for yeah. tires. And yet somehow that car rides well. But there are people that have taken it. And I believe the downgrade is to 18s and it maintains almost all of its capability on a back road, but becomes even better on normal roads and easier to buy tires for and all those kind of things. So, uh, But if you like the Type R at all, please go drive it. But while you do that, surprise yourself, since you are typically a guy of two doors and you're intrigued by the Type R, you need to go drive the Veloster N. See see how I got there? He's intrigued by the Type R. Go drive the Veloster N and really shock yourself. I love that And idea. you have a back third door for the dog. I've, I've gotten you more doors idea. than you had prior. You haven't even had anything more than <laughs> a it's two-door. it's still the quirky three-door I, car. I got you a three-door <laughs> car. Let the dog in the back door. I'm just saying. Wow. Having said that, you have a big challenger that clearly is a good road trip car. You're looking for some usability. Probably you're leaning toward four doors. Okay? Yeah, I, mm. see, I see the Macan. The Macan would be fun. I get it. I'm also trying to keep you in a car. I have two for you. Okay, the first one you're going to be scared of, and I'm just we're gonna we're going to, I'm going to mention it, and then we're going to turn away, and I'm going to walk you back slowly. Okay, <laughs> it's 60, like the
1: initial slice.
0: Sixty thousand dollars. You want fun to drive and practical, which I hear four doors and decent trunk. But you keep coming back to fun to drive. Yeah, you need an Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio. That's on my initial list. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. sixty thousand dollars gets you that car, and you're saying no, absolutely not, absolutely not. It's not going to be reliable everyone we've had's been reliable. I know I've heard, I've read the car and driver horror story. By the way, yep. car and drivers had horror stories with other cars too that have also proven to be reliable. We have known people that have written us with long-term quadrifolios. And talked about it being a great car. One guy wrote to us and said that he was pretty sure that the reason that some of the early ones were having trouble is because they were under-batteried. I don't know if that's a term, but I just coined it. They had less battery than they needed, and he put (laughs) an upgraded battery in his quadrifoglio, and it ran brilliantly and never gave him a single hiccup.
1: Well, you and I were initially skeptical just because of Alpha's reputation, and it's a brand-new platform, untried, untested. Mm -hmm. Here we are, years later— I have come around dramatically on that car, not from a driving experience. It's always been brilliant. It's been good. Yeah, yeah. But just as an ownership mm-hmm. to own that car and buy it used.
0: Yeah. So I think you need to take a serious look at the Alpha Quadrifoglio. Look, I'll, I'll make a bold prediction. I personally would rather buy an Alpha Quadrifoglio used than an M3. Mm. Yeah, And I'm talking about like ownership, like wow. something's going to go wrong. Because you know it will. In either one of those cars. I am living in the... So, yeah. <laughs> so, went Al-Fatulia wrong. My other one for you is the more conservative choice, but I think it would do all of that stuff for less than your total budget, would be more fun to drive than your Challenger, and that is a Chevy SS. Get a manual transmission of that's the Magna cool. ride. Even if... You, look, let's say you want an automatic because it's your road trip car. Make sure you get the Magna ride. The Chevy SS, that's a phenomenal car that is usable.
1: I love the suggestions, the Alfa Romeo Quadrifoglio that, that Julie is on my list as well. Love that car. You can definitely get it for your price range. I thought of the S60 T8. It's a little bit mm, held back.
0: It's, yeah, it's, it's fun. A bit conservative for Mark, I think. bit
1: conservative. And so I've got another suggestion, and then, then things get a little weird. Oh, good. <clears throat> Excellent. So stay with me. I love your Civic Type R. Please consider the 911S. Please consider the Shelby GT350. Yes, yes. Please do not take them off the table. Please drive them before you do. Mm -hmm. They are not out. They are still eligible. Mm -hmm. Civic Type R is third. If those are the two that you are dreaming about, Civic Type R is awesome. Get that. That's still third. I was looking into E39 BMW M5s. Interesting. Okay. Okay unfortunately none of the ones I found so far are 60 grand. They're more than that.
0: Yeah, they are. They've gone back up and that is an old BMW, it's An old BMW, but it, it's just, that's, that's,
1: it's fascinating. The normal thing on my list. Yeah. That
0: was the, that was your touchstone that you worked from. I see where you're going. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> my question to you, Mark is, does the dog always have to go? Does the dog really have to go? Do we really, are we forced to, yeah. Can we take the RCF when the dog goes? Because the RCF does have a back seat. You didn't tell us how big your dog is. True. That's true. Can the dog ride in the backseat? Mm-hmm. And when you do those trips, the RCF is a brilliant road trip car for yeah. the trips you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're talking about the really hotness, the the hotness. Mm-hmm. And I want you to have something really interesting and different. Okay. I thought 60 grand, huh? What, um, hmm. Acura NSX? The first gen?
0: First gen. Maybe. Those have gone up a lot. They're, they're, they're around I mean, 60 everything. now, I guess. Yeah.
1: But I'm going to spend even more of your money cuz it's uh, me.
0: Of course you are. And
1: I'm going to tell you to go get a Lotus Evora GT. Look at you. The dog can still go.
0: <laughs> Not wrong. Technically there is a back seat there. I'm spending a and b- a trunk.
1: I added about 40k to your price range, but you know what? Life is short. <laughs> when else your friends are going to be just destroyed? And you know how you keep talking about this Japanese car? I want the Japanese car because mm-hmm. it'll just run and everything. You know what's in that Lotus? <clears throat> Toyota's three point five liter V six. Camry motor. Camry motor. Lexus motor. Yep. Toyota motor. Yep. Toyota. That just, engine just runs and runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I <laughs> I'm just I really like that car. I'm looking like out really like over the,
0: the, the imagined picture of Mark's driveway. While we talk about practicality and pondering the fact that there is not a four door in sight.
1: Wonderful. You still got the beater accord. Yeah. Let it continue to be beat on. Let yeah. It that's take it. You could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Put the money into it to make it go another 50 or a hundred thousand miles. Can't be that expensive. Take your wife's <laughs> Lexus, <laughs> but the
0: Lotus Evora. You can take the dog in the back. I bought Evora GT. Yeah, Pup goes in the back.
1: And it's low. I it'll problem scrape. solved. It's low to the ground. <laughs> she it's won't like that. Low yes. to get into, but dang. Yeah, they're cool. You did things did dang get weird. It. And I didn't even go there. That's impressive. Yes. Well done I on that. I like that car. That's good. I like that a lot. On Facebook, Parker Singleton asks us if we could pick one mm. car for the big 3, Chrysler, Ford, and Chevy. To bring back and mass produce them what would we pick and what would we want them to change about them to make them better or would we just bring it back and leave it exactly how it was when it was first released mm. well the charger and challenger from chrysler have returned already they've already been around a long time vipers have come and gone i looked at the chrysler atlantic concept thinking you know luxury something different cool maybe, or that Dodge Copperhead from, like, 97, that concept. Yeah, it was
0: going to be their little guy, yeah. It would
1: introduce sort of a new small GT car kind of feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've decided on the Dodge Omni GLHS. Really? Because it's hot hatch meat. Or you could do hot electric hatch meat. Hot electric hatch meat. (laughs) From Ford. I I
0: don't even know how to feel about that (laughs) collection of words.
1: From Ford, they already brought back the Ford GT a couple of times now, and they continue to make Mustangs. The Bronco has already returned in multiple variants. You could make classic Thunderbirds, or make them electric, or something. But how about the 1967 Lotus 49 Ford Cosworth as it is—the hmm. the cigar with wheels sticking out of it. You know.
0: You know what we're supposed to say here? Safety third. <laughs> you know what we're supposed to say? <laughs> we're supposed to say the fourth gen Supra. Oh, that's what the internet wants us to say. But we're, we're just dealing with the domestic fourth here. gen
1: Supra. Yeah, but true, you're right. True. That's probably why he kept it to domestic. Exactly. I actually have an exactly. answer here, though. Oh, you do? All right. I got to do Chevy. Keep going. For better or worse, the Hummer has been resurrected. Yes, probably for better. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. But Chevy still does not have anything to compete against the new Bronco or the Wrangler. Mm-hmm. So I will say Chevy Blazer, like a real K5 An Blazer. Chevy Blazer, yeah. Not this weird Me Too SUV thing, but they also need something cool and fun and fast with a GTO badge on it.
0: Mm, yeah, okay. Pontiac, Chevy,
1: I don't care, GTO. Yeah, that's good. Bring that's something good.
0: back. Well, connecting to your GTO thing here, and because I also just mentioned it, I actually think the answer is the Chevy SS. Do you? They but could here, continue But, here, that. but here's Make the thing. A couple of things on it. First off, Chevrolet, I feel like almost more than any other brand, if you count Cadillacs, so let's go GM, is known for big, high-performance, rear-wheel drive monster sedans. They've done that forever And now they don't do it at all. Says the Caprice former owner. (laughs) Yes. They've done it forever and now they don't do it at all. Right. Right. Okay. I think that's a tragedy. I think Chevrolet should continue just because that's something they've always done very well. Remember in the 90s when all of the police cars were Caprices? That's all they all were. Yeah. And then guess what? GM stopped making them and so everybody went looking somewhere else and they bought either Chargers or or now Explorers. But anyway. It's
1: now the Ford F-150 Lightning.
0: Yeah, I guess. It's going to be interesting. So. I think the Chevy SS, but the key thing there is to bring it back because Chevrolet needs a big rear wheel drive. This is available hmm. with multiple engines. We make big sedan platform. They can make a watered down version with the turbo 4 of 300 horsepower and whatever if they want, but they need a Halo version of that. Yeah. That looks the part. This was yeah. the problem with the Chevy SS. They were they were building off of very conservative styling. And they were keeping it conservative, and that people thought that thing was a Malibu.
1: Totally, give yes. it its
0: own flavor. And
1: I do. I, it I
0: I think. Look, the uh, the Charger with Dodge became a four door. Let's yeah. take that model and make the GTO a four door. Instead of Ford has it,
1: made Mustangs into electric mach Instead so. of
0: calling it Chevy SS, which yeah. doesn't mean anything. It was the Super Sport add-on badged everything before they made a model called the SS. So let's bring back that concept, not call it the SS. To your point, call it the GTO. Make it a four-door. Give you a big snorting V8 that comes in the big Z06. Put that in that big four-door and give it mean styling. Something that if you parked it next to a charge, you'd be like, I'm not sure which of those looks meaner. That's the kind of styling it didn't have and needed. That's the car that should exist. I like that a lot. Rembrandt 11 uh, has watched the opening teaser of our Season 9 and pointed out one of my favorite things about it. He said he loves that when we say, or run your errands, I put in a shot of a rally car sliding sideways in that slow motion kicking up mud. Of course it was. <laughs> I was like, what's the shot for this? Light? Oh, it's the rally car. We're going to go run some errands Mad now. Gara. Thanks for noticing. I love it.
1: <laughs> Matt Garrett, 82, remembers an old video game called F-Zero. It made his imagination fly. Do we believe we could see in our lifetime contraptions like wireless charging electric cars paired with solar power wireless charging lines across the highways? that would mostly improve the range of electric vehicles i i think anything's possible to be honest i think mankind will try anything and everything i mean we kind of have tried everything up to this point so let's keep doing it yes is the answer it's just kind of a matter of when and making it commercially viable that's what every car manufacturer is still struggling with in terms of you know batteries and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know the components for the batteries and manufacturing and continuing to have the balance and offer the general public a wide variety and where are those dollars where can we make dollars where can we make the money and figuring that out and customer taste all that kind of stuff it's so interesting that there's so many aspects to cars where there will be niches
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: that it's fascinating to think of so I, I say yes to your to your
0: question Cutler Colin asks something that I'm going to try to tread carefully because I want to be sure this comes off right. But it's a very interesting question. He says season 9 is coming out, and he can already assume, and you're right, that season 10 is already in the works. And it is. We're always working at (laughs) least a year ahead because we have to. Do we ever feel burnout from the work that we do? He said he feels like he'd be overwhelmed with the reality of all the things we do. Well, let me stop here real quick and just say, look, we have at this point two YouTube channels. Uh, two TV seasons a year resulting in 12 new episodes, sometimes more than that. And uh, we also do this podcast twice a week. Mm-hmm. That is a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. And yeah. you and I often kind of stop and kind of look at each other and shake our heads and go, how did we end up doing this much? Now, both Paul and I are very dedicated to this show, and we love what we do. Yes, like any job on the planet, pick pick whatever job you're listening, and it may be the job we have. You think that's the job that would be the greatest job in the world. Pick whatever job you can think of that you think would be the greatest job in the world. It has down days. And what we do has down days when it is overwhelming. We do a lot, and it's hard to find breaks. And we have had to be very specific with each other about, like, when are you going away? Mm-hmm. When are you gone for a week? Mm-hmm. Don't call. Don't write. Don't check in. Be gone. okay. Yeah. And that, I will admit that's very hard for me to do. Yeah. but it's very vital one of the things that contributes here and and i i will admit that i have struggled with burnout off and on over the 15 years we've done this show because i'm a guy that of all of us that work on you've heard about the four of us that work on it mostly i have the broadest skill set mm-hmm. so what's interesting is everybody has things that they do best okay and there are there of the other three guys there are definitely places where they're better than me Okay, at certain aspects, but I can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So I end mm-hmm. up kind of, because of the way I'm wired, taking on kind of a catch-all mentality. It's like, oh well, I can run over and get that, and I will burn myself out. And we've discovered this kind of as as a co-host, we discovered this about me. So I yes. have to be careful. Yes. So one of the reasons this is going to sound weird. For a while, we thought about doing mountain bike videos, mm-hmm. and somewhere along the way, I came to the realization of, I need this to not be work. <laughs> I need to just be on a mountain bike and not yeah. think about a camera or a shot or a, did I get a thing or a, I'm just decompressing. So the hardest thing for me to do, but also the most vital, and this is where I'm actually going, is just finding those moments in normal life where I can unplug, be on the bike, go skiing, take the dogs for a walk, something that has nothing to do with a job. And I bring this up, not because I dislike my job because my job is awesome, mm-hmm. but because I think that was the thing I didn't see my parents doing. Mm -hmm. My parents would work themselves like crazy and they would only have decompression on the week we took a vacation a year. It's not deliberate enough. And you and I have a job that honestly many days feels like vacation. I can't believe I get to do this for a living, but there's enough pressure related to it. And whatever it is you listening, whatever you have for a job, there's enough pressure related to your job that – I think it, it's much healthier to have those moments that you can find on random Tuesdays when you decompress than just working for that one week a year. And we try to do that kind of balance.
1: Look, well, Colin, I'll just add to that quickly. I experienced a decade working for a tech company. In addition to doing the show, even though Todd has done the heavy editing, the heavy lifting, he comes from an editing and directing background, a filmmaking background. I yeah. do not. That's just the reality, mm-hmm. but I've learned editing over time yeah, and yeah. learned filmmaking and learned that skill. But we both, you know, know how to talk about cars on camera. We've been doing it for so long, presenting in any capacity. But working for the tech company, I traveled so much. Mm. And those of you listening who have a job like that, you work for a tech company, they don't pay you for nothing.
0: <laughs> there's travel. There's
1: downtime. Yeah. There's, you know, the good times and that honey drop tastes good, that, you know, stock options or paycheck or whatever that is. It tastes good, but they don't pay you for nothing. And so having experienced that, I look at this as just, It's not playtime, but it certainly is fun, but Mm -hmm. I approach it in a very, very measured way Mm -hmm. because I've been burned out twice when I was in that tech job Mm -hmm. and I said out loud, I don't care if you add a zero to my paycheck, you won't be able to get me to lift a finger. I Mm. don't care. I don't care which is horrible mm-hmm. because now you're worthless. You're not an asset to your company anymore. Yeah. So I take a very measured, just steady approach to things and I love it. And I, you know, it, it I, I know myself now I, I have to balance things, but mm. you know, being deliberate, you know, like you said, I admire you. You delete all the apps off your phone. When you go on vacation, you I, I have
0: to see yeah. you on
1: Friday or Sunday. Whenever you get back, we'll see mm-hmm. you
0: then kind yep. of thing. Yep. Yep. I have to, otherwise I, I'll
1: check them all. I'll go disappear and see my family and just think about, Everything else and maybe we'll talk about cars. Maybe I kind of like it if we don't sometimes this is
0: this is just made me think of this. This is the reason I wrote a novel. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. That was something completely removed from everything we do for this show. Even mm-hmm. the tools are different. Yeah, I'm literally like in programs that don't even relate. OK, and that was one of the reasons I mean, it took me a while. It's one of the reasons I wrote a novel because it was just a full escape from the daily stuff. Not because the daily stuff is anything but pretty awesome. But you got to have those escape valves.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we could go on talking about this, but it's it's a measured approach. It's it's being careful about our time. And so we continue to love it. And when we started mm-hmm. the show, we looked at each other and said, if this stops becoming work, that's it stops becoming fun. I, I mean, yeah. I'm fun. It starts just becoming a, a slog and yeah. it's a job. And yeah, sorry, yeah. I mixed it up. But yeah, if it's just all work and no more fun, mm-hmm. th- there's no point.
0: Well, because because we think cars are so fun that we want to share that fun with you. Yeah. If we're
1: not having a good time at all, you're going to feel that. We've also told ourselves we cannot become jaded journalists. Just like the articles I grew up reading about. Yeah, I've driven it all and I've done it all. And I've been everywhere and I've tasted everything and mm-hmm. I've done it all and blah, blah, blah. I didn't expect this. Oh my gosh, that sets me off. Yeah, I didn't because expect this question to take us all these places. You're it's getting cool. that free thing from the company yes. who wants you to like their product and you are it's being handed to you, mm-hmm. you so-and-so. <laughs> well, that's the other, another, but one of the many
0: things I didn't expect this to take <laughs> us to the places. One of the other things we've talked about is the fact that there's also a, a trend in automotive journalism that has this demeanor that drives me nuts, and that is a, I got to do this and you never will.
1: right. Right.
0: Well, I, <laughs> Our whole, our whole start from the beginning, and when we've taken some of these like driving courses, we've had trouble almost explaining this. Some of the driving courses we've taken, we're like, no, no, we want to do exactly the course that our audience would. We don't want special treatment because right. because one of the big things for me is to excite all of you listening or watching or whatever that cars are cool and you could do cool things in cars. And if it's just me showing you all the stuff that I got to do and you didn't, yeah, and that I will also say. There's a lot of money to be made in that. There are people that have had very lucrative car careers doing exactly that. I just find that offensive. And so we don't do it. Bradley Lee says, how do you buy a car that's in high demand? Lots of cars are in high demand right now. It's on the other side of the U.S. He found the perfect car. He wants it. It's a six-hour flight from him and being sold by a private seller. Mm. He said it could sell before the plane lands. You're right, man. It could. Yikes. It could. Should he put money down? That terrifies him. I, Brad, I think you have to first off come to the conclusion of how badly do you want it? Okay, if it really is, you say you call it the perfect car, if it really is the one you want, then I think you need to make the effort. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to express to the seller your connection to it, having not even driven it but i think and this is this is a this is a tough balance i think you can express to the seller that interest while also expressing to the seller your concerns mm. because the nice thing about the private seller aspect here is you're person to person you're not person to entity right if you right. said it was being sold by a used car dealer in a in a state you've never been to i'd be like that could get scary but you're talking to another human and another car enthusiast yeah yeah so I, I do think that there's a there's an honest conversation there to say, look, I want to spend the money. I'm willing to spend the money to hop on a plane and come see this car. But that's a risk for me. I think just lay it out there. That's a risk for me. So I think you should have the private seller do a take it somewhere to get a pre-purchase inspection before you even buy a plane ticket. Mm. Just so you know pre-purchase inspection get them to do that of course you're paying for the pre-purchase inspection all of that will they do that for you and if they're not willing to do that i think already that's a bit of a red flag sure but do that if they're willing to do that then i think you ask them i would like to give you a deposit so that this car is still there when i get there to look at it that is absolutely a risk that person could take the money and never pay you back what are you going to wind up in small claims court these things happen okay i don't want that for you but I think if you can build a rapport with this person, car person to car person, you are ultimately talking to a person, which I like so much more than a dealer in this discussion. I think you lay out your concerns, you lay out your interest. What If, if they say, you know what, $1,000 and this car will not move until you've had an opportunity to drive it and make me an offer. Mm. I think that's a worthwhile gamble. If it really is the perfect car you want, I think pre-purchase inspections first, offer up a genuine deposit get on a plane and show up. This is the kind of stuff I did with my Lotus. I didn't give a deposit, but we even talked potential numbers before I got on a plane. I said, look, I'm willing to start around here, but let's figure out where we land. And I had had a cashier's check for an amount and extra cash in my pocket. So that I had some negotiation room. Sure, sure. Okay. But I was, I was serious about that car and I got on a plane and flew there, but I'd already done pre-purchase inspection. We'd had a lot of conversations. He knew I was serious. So I think those are the steps It doesn't take away the scariness. It's scary. I got on a plane to buy the Lotus and thought,
1: <laughs> what if it's terrible? Especially when a Rolls Royce dealer does your PPI. Yes,
0: yeah. Oh, there's there's a lot of jokes there. It was oh, super yeah. scary. And then of course, you know, I, I showed up in L. A. and the and the Uber uh, that picked me up, or the, yeah, the Uber was a Prius. And I thought this is this is not starting well. Oh goody.
1: Yeah, but it worked out well. <laughs> Alex HCO nine says, "Drive to Survive has made F1 semi popular mm. in the U.S. and the Texas GP has sold out with many of the tickets going to first time buyers who bought because of the show." I didn't wow, know that. That's Alex. cool. That's very cool. What would it take for IndyCar to become just as popular? in the U S well, as you know, they have the IndyCar experience where you can come kind of do that same experience and get the instruction on track at the Indianapolis oval. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. You can also do that two seater ride along. But for me, that's gotten a little bit too friends of friends and a little bit too corporate. And the Mm -hmm. only reason I got to do it back in, I think 2017 or something like that was because I was part of a company that was, you know, Mm -hmm. a sponsor of the series and all this stuff. And I'm going, all right, pretty awesome. But, What about somebody who never, ever would be close to that? You know, yeah, you can get the ticket and there's a lot of people that can get Mm -hmm. there, I suppose, but just it doesn't seem democratized enough. And it doesn't seem like fans of IndyCar know the drivers enough. Mm -hmm. And that's what Drive to Survive did for the drivers and the teams. Suddenly you realize there's politics in F1. Mm -hmm. There's snarky. There's bad behavior. There's, you know, behind the back, you know, so-and-so mutterings about, whoever mm-hmm. and then the drivers and you get to see, well, well, they're, they're people. They're, they're not robots. They're actually people and they have feelings and they might feel upset, like, you know, get physically ill because of the forces of the cars. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I, these these are at the top of class racing. What about IndyCar? When I was doing that, I had one of the uh, top people for IndyCar tell me that they exist purely for entertainment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I went, what? No, Wait, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's a little disheartening. You mean all this is just for entertaining people? Yeah. he said, yeah, that's the only reason we exist. Because Formula One, maybe there's some trickle-down technology to cars, yeah, road there cars, might be, yeah. by the teams. Not an Indy car. Yeah, good Those point. chassis are all made by an Italian company called Dallara, and you pick a Chevy engine or a Honda engine, yeah, yeah. and it's go time. And now it comes down to driver skill. But it's a different kind of driver skill. And they do road courses and they do ovals. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting. And the cars are so different. They look the same to, you know, anybody. They look exactly like as Formula One cars. But what are those differences? So I think something similar could be very popular. But a little bit of a twist that just makes it open up to the rest of us. What's going on behind the scenes? What does it take? Why do your pit stops look so unofficial? And c- compared to Formula One, they look mm. like run out there in straw hats in comparison. And <laughs> you know the Formula One guys are all helmeted and corporate and expensive. I and, my hat! You, <laughs> you know, got to come back around. You're running out there in your overalls or something. That's like, funny. That's you know, very funny. Why? What is it? Budget? Is it you're doing pretty mm-hmm. much everything Formula One does on a budget? Kind of. Wow, that's interesting. Mm. I think a similar series would be very interesting to get to know the people. And I want
0: to broaden it out because I agree with you. I want to broaden it out because I also had this thought. Think about the people that you know that love filling a sport, Mm -hmm. basketball, football, whatever, or they love baseball or whatever their their thing is. We always have people that are going to be hardcore about a sport or, or, let's be honest, these are all entertainment. Mm -hmm. Okay. it used to be just the gladiator arenas, we've broadened. Okay. So, so, (laughs) Just there, drive there, a ring around the gladiator. There, there are people that they're going to be hardcore fans about whatever it is, no matter what. Yeah. But then beyond that hardcore group, which let's be honest, is a niche, small group. Mm-hmm. To have general interest, you have to entice the casual fan. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that any of the major sports you can think of would be as popular as they are were it not for things like the ESPN films. Oh, or the docs that have been done. Oh, sure. Or the things that take the behind the scenes, the human drama of all of these things and makes it something that the general person consumes and goes, I had no idea. And this is the thing that's never happened for Formula One and is now happening with the Netflix series yeah. and doesn't happen for IndyCar. Okay. When's the last time you saw a, an interesting revealing documentary on hockey? I know hockey fans. They are they are hard. Hockey fans can tell you that. Absolutely. But my point is, the general person, after the 1980s miracle on ice, knows nothing about hockey. Because (laughs) there's there's been no real coverage. You follow what I'm saying? We know what's happening in the NBA and baseball and football. Because outside of the actual games you're supposed to pay attention to, there's all this other media Mm -hmm. that makes it aware. F1 has that now. IndyCar
1: does not. We're always appreciative of your questions, social media, and your car debates, or Topic Tuesdays, and of course your car conclusions. Write to us, TV at gmail.com or on the website. Mm-hmm. You can find us and the schedule for season nine. So we're excited for you to see the new TV yeah. season. It is upon us. We hope you enjoy. Cheers, everyone.